0: Shut up and sit down. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to say is... Mr.
1: Gorbachev,
0: tear down this wall. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I did not have... Sexual relations with that woman. I'm speaking with myself, number one, because I have a very good brain, and I've said a lot of things. And
2: I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Today was exhausting.
0: I'm really tired. <laughs> what the hell's going on?
2: Matt Lauer,
0: Garrison Keeler. Uh,
1: it's the world is crumbling. People committing suicide. Yes, yes, it is. is. It's. I'm. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm so tired. Well, welcome to Barstool Politics. I'm your host, Nick McGuire, and I'm joined by my two favorite political scientists, Doctor Bill Mock from North Central College and Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College.
2: Scene. I <laughs> was trying to figure out ways to do intro. That was excellent, excellent. Nick. Thanks. Yes, excellent. yes. Whoever wrote I that was really on top of it. <laughs>
0: How you doing, Phil? I've been better, but I'm I'm doing we should I'm note here. that
2: Phil is, is struggling with the flu, but he's coming in for Barstool politics.
1: Yes. He's using alcohol to get rid of the flu. I
0: think I think that's Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not a very hoppy Gatorade. I'm yeah. a disappointed in that. The but. color's a little off too.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I, we can joke about it, but
1: we we had to rewrite our outline for today and Bill sent me. Sent me the outline, the revised outline while I was at work, and the headline was just, what the hell is going on?
2: (laughs) Yes. It is... You think about all of the craziness that the Trump administration has brought and and new stories day after day. Today might be the most bizarre we've had in terms of the stories. And I I just put this in context. A Bosnian-Croat war criminal died today after drinking poison live on court. So there's video of this guy... He had just uh, his sentence had been upheld. He was guilty, and uh, and he stood up and he said, "I am not a war criminal." And then he drinks this this basically poison, killing him. And he tells the court, "Like I have just drinking poison or drank poison," <laughs> and the, you know it, that was like the fourth craziest thing to happen today. Yeah, you know that's not even front page news. Uh, ah, it is.
1: It's love to see that video. It's got to be a good video.
2: It's 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 theater. That's <laughs> that's for sure. Um, I mean, let's uh, just think about it. In The last couple of days, or in this last week, uh, Trump has retweeted anti-Muslim videos from an ultra-nationalist in Britain. Uh, he's used a racial slur, uh, slur, "pocahontas," to describe a U.S. senator during an event honoring the Navajo code talkers. He's continued his attack on, attack on NFL players for disrespecting the country flag and national anthem. He's repeatedly attacked major American news outlets he's endorsed an alleged pedophile candidate for Senate. And according to the New York Times and Washington Post this morning, uh, he's told multiple people that he no longer believes it was his voice on the Access Hollywood tape and still doesn't believe in the authenticity of Obama's birth certificate. All valid points. That's a week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy.
2: It really is. And so I don't I don't know where we want to start, but it begs this question of where is the president? And he's I guess I've always kind of thought of him as a con man and the lies were part of this narrative that he would always tell to improve his perspective on things and to make him but have we crossed the line is is this going in another direction when when he was first
1: elected and this start this stuff started happening, you make the joke that he does he never actually wanted this and it's the right. whole it's the it's the producers pretty much. I'm kind of starting to get back into that mentality because it's just so much. And yeah. it's so often. Like It's just the fact that you're with... Like, the only time that making that Pocahontas joke could ever possibly be worse than when you normally do it is with a group of Native uh, Native Americans in the room right. that you're supposed to be honoring.
0: These, Native American veterans. Yeah. War heroes, right? Right.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, and you can see when he's... Oh, just watching him it's awkward you know he takes a little pause and you know something bad is coming it's so bad it, it was it was uh yeah but in some ways we've forgotten about that because of all the other stuff that's coming oh yeah in the it's a small couple, couple days now yeah yeah um, but it's
1: it's just insane yeah uh, you can't like you cannot even keep we keep talking about we need to talk about the tax bill and health care reform and there are too many other more scintillating titillating yeah. things to talk about in front of that.
2: Well, and the Pocahontas story, the, the administration doesn't even run away from this. They just say, well, the real story is that, uh, you know, that the, the li- senator lied about, Warren lied about her, you know, her heritage. You know, they don't they don't even run away from this. They, they embrace it. It's very true. <laughs> that, that may be the case, but it's still not the bigger story. The fact that the president is using this as a slur to attack her, to attack women, and then in the process attack the very group that he's supposed to be honoring. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: yeah. So see, to me that like when you when you talk about all of this craziness around Trump specifically, um, I, there's nothing that is all that shocking about it. It's just that there's been so much of it in the last week. And I, I don't I mean, I am not a, I'm no I'm not a psychologist, but there there's pretty obvious like issues with uh I, I think I don't know he's pretty clearly with with ego and narcissism and stuff like that like there's there's a he's a bit of a control freak right and when things aren't going the way he wants he lashes out um, or when he's feeling you know insecure or uh, anyway um, all that tells me that there's something else going on behind the scenes right I don't know if it's the Mueller investigation I don't know if it's frustration um, at not getting any legislation, or if he's getting pressure from someone, I don't, I don't know what exactly is happening. But there's something that's leading him just to, you know, to lash out in these crazy ways.
2: Yeah, I do wonder. You know, the his lawyer Ty uh, Ty Cobb is saying that, oh, we're going to get this all wrapped up by the end of the year, and I don't think that's going to happen. And you wonder whether that pressure is building on him. But it's just bizarre behavior. For me, the fact that he's now suggesting that it wasn't his voice on the Access right. Hollywood That's tape. That's the most bizarre That's thing. That's
0: straight up crazy. Yeah. Right.
2: And then to also, and then to go back to the Berther argument to say that he's, and he's telling people behind closed doors that I still don't think we have enough evidence that you know this, this may have been faked. That's like a whole other level of bizarreness that goes beyond just lying about things to make his presidency seem better.
1: Well, then you have his response to North Korea's new ICBM test and it's probably the most measured response that we've seen from him. Right. He, he's, he's George Costanza. He's doing the, a complete opposite of what he should be doing.
2: <laughs> His quote was, it is a situation that we will handle. Right. Oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Yes. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Phil, what strikes you most about all of this? So you, you suggested that you think this is, it's not anything of a different kind. It's just faster because of some other pressure.
0: I mean, I think this is the this is the element of his personality that's been uh, obvious from the beginning, right? He's not acting. Uh, going the 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 Obama birth certificate stuff. He on, only he only backed away from that at one time when he was pressured to make a statement or whatever. And even then, he sort of you know he didn't do it all that convincingly. Um, you know, the Pocahontas stuff has been a, a part of his his uh, public persona the whole way through, lashing out at people who aren't on his side or who are causing him trouble. Like all of this is, you know, it all speaks to some, I, I don't see this as like a, oh, he's going crazy or he, it's, this is, this is his personality, right? I mean, if you were doing like a case study on Donald Trump, all of this fits perfectly into what we already understood about his personality. It's just for whatever reason this week, it's been a little more intense, or a little crazier, or whatever, and that's why I say uh, there's got to be something. Uh, there's something else. I don't know if it's the exhaustion of the job. I don't know if it's the Mueller investigation. I don't know. You know, I don't know what it is, but something is just exacerbating the personality that was has obviously has has always been there front and center from the beginning. I think
2: the reflex machine is on like hyperdrive yes. or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> So what did you guys think of the – so this morning he retweeted three anti-Muslim videos from this ultra-nationalist group. I I, had never heard of this group in Britain before, uh, but the videos were titled Muslim Migrant Beats Up a Dutch Boy on Crutches. Uh, The next one, Muslim uh, Destroys a Statue of the Virgin Mary. The third one, uh, an Islamist mob pushes teenage boys off the roof and, uh, uh, you know, he dies. I mean, the, the fact that he's retweeting this. Is that is that for his base or, or what? What's what's going on there? I, I, it's bizarre. I would
1: imagine it. I don't know who else would really grasp onto that. Yeah,
0: his base. His base will love it, right? right. I mean, I like David Duke I, they, did, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think about like you know, I, looking. <laughs> when you so I this last week we we put one of our videos up on Facebook right yes. and the, the responses that people you know there were there were a number of trump fans who who responded with like this is you know we were the things that we were critical of were the things that they were eating up right this is why yeah. we love him and he's speaking the truth and so i mean i I think it's it is it is as a political scientist. Mind-boggling to see a president, and really deeply concerning to see a president doing this. Um, But I think, yeah, I mean, I think his a lot of his core supporters are, you know, they they believe that that Islam is the problem, and and finally we have a president who's saying it, right? So I I think it's going to go over now. The question is, is he strategic enough to be thinking, I'm going to do this to fire up my base? Or is it just, uh, he's he is one of his base, right? Like he, yeah. he views the world that way and he's just, he's a reflex machine, yes. right? He's, he woke up angry about something or saw those tweets and there, I, I think you, you um, I, I think it's wrong to give him too much sort of credit or foresight. I think it was, he saw them and thought, hey, how about this? I'll retweet it.
2: You know, for the record the British Prime Minister came out today and condemned this Ooh, and said this yeah, you know this is not the right thing to do this is not helpful um, yeah it's 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 troubling and we've drifted into a, a place where we can't even talk about presidential behavior anymore because Trump is so outside the norm right this is this is a huge story for any other president in US history to, to, to do something like this to retweet a message from a hate group. And not just one. It wasn't just an accidental one. He did three of them. And over the course of the day, he had the option of taking those down or un- <laughs> un-retweeting them. Hmm. And he's not. And to your point, Phil, the numbers of uh, likes and retweets uh, as the day went on just kept going up and up and up. So there is certainly an it, audience for this.
0: It would be like a president retweeting a, a, the Klan, yes. po- you know, posting videos of like African-Americans committing crime or whatever. It's, right. It is it – is, it, it, it's it's inconceivable that to think of any other president ever having done this uh, presidents, even like even if you suspected that they agreed or were sympathetic, were, you know, incredibly careful to be, uh, you know, the idea of like dog whistle politics is out the window. Right. Yeah. So dog whistle politics is the idea of you you make reference. Oh, did you oh yeah you make references to to these things that that have a meaning right you don't actually yeah. make come out and make these explicit racist statements but people yeah. understand what you're saying that's out the window right like there's no dog whistle it's like a it's like a bullhorn
2: it it's crazy yeah. and when you you think about the three of them i mean so he once again was tweeting at uh, the NFL player so there's this racial elements to that he's going after uh, Senator Warren, but at, you know, calling her Pocahontas—that's going. You know, you're, you're targeting groups and then also targeting Muslims, right? This is—it's the dog whistle. You're right; is absolutely gone. I, I don't know. I don't know how we come back, or how we how we even confront this at this point. You just do we just move on Nick, and just say, "What's the next one?" <laughs> well, this is—I mean, this
1: is um, where your your faith in humanity comes in and faith in the American people. Do you think that? This is a turning point in the sense of no one is going to put up with this going forward and things are going to change and there's a return to civility or is the cat out of the bag at this point and we just see all of the 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 horribleness that's been under that veil of civilization and now that's just who we are going forward and it's nothing but opposition politics going forward.
2: But to go back to Phil, Phil mentioned that we were running an ad this week and yeah, we put this ad up and... People commented, and they called us names, Nick. They called us Which <laughs> right. I'll be honest. I had to look up. I'm like, I don't even know what I didn't even is, know but... what it was. I assumed it was bad. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I knew. But it seemed to bother you more than me in terms of the names. No. So the names
1: that were directed at us didn't really bother me, because yeah. I generally think people are dumb. <laughs> but what bothered me was that it was... It took no time whatsoever for people to just immediately just spewing venom at each other. Not even us. 95% of it was directed towards people who had already made a comment, either in favor or against what we had posted. And just back and forth, it had nothing to yeah. do with us whatsoever.
2: It was really ugly. Yeah, uh, and it was all and all we had done is we we posted a five minute segment of the show, which you know we think is pretty good, and we thought this section was pretty funny, <laughs> but others didn't. And I think to go back to your point, Phil, uh, there is certainly an audience for this because there were a lot of people that I think in our in that little clip we were critical of Trump or somewhat critical of, is how he goes about doing his business. And uh, the responses on Facebook were, he's doing exactly what we want him to do. This is the kind of president we've been waiting for for years. And I think, to your point, Nick, it's like released this anger. And, uh, yeah, like political correctness is out the window and discourse as well. Mm -hmm. That's horrible. Uh, Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it comes back to the question again of we've talked about this and I don't know that we have the answer for it. But the question again is whether the exposure of all of this, um, the fact that all of this is out in the open creates some sort of backlash or swing, Uh, you know, you could you could imagine that the, the public reaction or the American reaction to all of this sort of animosity and vitriol is to say, you know, this this is we've. You know, we we we've got to we've got to improve. We've got to do something different, or or to you know that that the sort of Trumpian experiment gets voted out of office really strongly. Um, you know, but whether the public will actually respond that way, or whether it's just going to break down into more you know we hate each other and there's no discussion of policy issues or explanations or trying to convince. It's just. Um, yeah, I mean I we've had we've had bad times in the past, right? Like sure. sure that we've 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 gotten past. So I there's some hope, but it feels a little hopeless right now.
2: <laughs> it does, and it's hard to find an authority figure who can speak to that, to the the need for decency for the need of moderation, because the media can't do that anymore. No. They're complicit in it. Right. But even if you had somebody who I don't know, wasn't tilting one way or the other, the minute they condemned the rhetoric, they would suddenly be labeled as one side or the other. So it's hard to, politicians are the same thing. You can't have, you know, Bill Clinton can't come forward. He's got to go hide. You know, all these, Mm -hmm. uh, there just isn't a space. Maybe, maybe Barack Obama, or would he just further inflame? Yeah,
1: yeah, no, Uh, regardless of what he's saying, no, he's the the nemesis of, of the right still, but I think the one of the more interesting case studies of this, not necessarily involved specifically with the political side, kind of in some respect, the um, the ratings for late night TV. So you have um, Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show, who generally stays in the middle. he's happy go lucky. He doesn't yeah. really do anything that's very political. He's lost like thirty five percent of his audience to Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Kimmel. And who's the other one that's not as funny as the other two? Uh, Trevor Noah? Um, no, he's even lower. <laughs> the other one. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But um, because they just, they, they just lunge at this shit, and yeah. people just eat it up. So why on earth would you tell people to just calm down and you know, have a, a respectful, even keel discourse with each other when it's getting you ratings and influence and power and money?
2: And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, it's exciting to talk about. So if we were having uh, an hour conversation about taxes, that would be important and substantive, but it wouldn't be as exciting as when something like this happens and we can say, look at all the crazy behavior. Uh, it's historic. So there's, there's something that, you know, each week when there's a story like that, I get pulled in. Oh, this is going to be fun on the podcast. That's why we're talking about right. it. You people are making us because this is what you listen to. That's right.
0: So... <laughs> So Nick, you were saying that like the that when you have the late night talk hosts who sort of jump on or attack Trump and their ratings are doing well, yeah, how like what what what's the proper response, right? So I don't, I mean, I don't, I I see what you're saying, but I don't know that the Jimmy Fallon like let's don't say anything about either side response is necessarily the right sp- response either, oh, right? So I,
1: yeah, no, definitely not. I, I mean, I. If if there's going to be a change at this point, it can't come from any one person. It would have to be a a a full us ass- not assault, but a a a, a um unified front, yeah. um within uh entertainment or politics or whatever industry that you're talking about. Is the minute that you have one person who goes in opposition to what the majority of people are saying now, they're You know, labeled a a radical or a racist or a snowflake or you know, take your pick. It's it's
2: it's crazy that it's gotten to that point. It makes me think that this almost has to come from the right. The self correction has to come from the right because if it comes from the left, there's never going to be any viability to trust this. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's got to be. And we we've talked about uh, McCain's and flakes and those voices whether they can do this. But it it feels like there's got to be a reckoning on the right to move the debate away from from the Trump kind of dynamic. Uh, Yeah. Not not necessarily the populist dynamic, mm -hmm. but just the behavioral element of it, the decency element. Uh, But that's the other part of, you know, the
1: what the hell is going on segment. All of these people are tainted now. Like, you just see the holes in everybody's stories, regardless of you're talking about the, the right or the left. Everybody is somehow tainted. Yeah. So why... Like, you know, who who is the moral authority at this point? It's
2: I, and it's hard and facts don't matter anymore. Right. I mean, so Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked today about these videos and uh, could she explain them? And I, apparently some of them are they're, they're unsubstantiated that they may not be real in the way that they were presented to be. And her shocking. Comment, <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> and her comment was it doesn't matter if the videos are real. The threat is real. Obviously, <laughs> but again, that that's really disturbing to say that mm-hmm. the facts don't matter. The it's the way you perceive exactly. the perception. yes, is, yeah. right. And so it's the reality is whatever you want to make it to be. And we have a president who's trying to distort reality in a way that I, you know we've never seen before.
1: That's I, I forgot who it was uh, who said it. I think it was a former White House aide or someone within the administration had said very recently that he he creates his own reality and lives in his own reality and he distorts reality around him yes to just kind of he, he just he doesn't accept yeah. actual reality right which no. is really hard for me to
2: say because i wanted this to work really really bad and it's not working <laughs> right no that, i think that's right that you're he's bending reality in a way that fits his understanding of the world and he believes that barack obama wasn't born in the united states you know he believes all of these conspiracy theories uh today just today one of his tweets uh attacking uh i think it was nbc he goes after joe scarborough Mm -hmm. and makes this allegation that uh, i I guess somebody years ago died in his studio and this, this woman had a like heart condition and hit her head it was totally there was nothing sinister about it but in the tweet he says you should look into that what was the
0: yeah. <laughs> investigate or something like that yes he says
2: uh, yeah that's right okay so this is the tweet so now that Matt Lauer is gone when will the fake news practitioners at NBC be terminating the contracts of Phil Griffin and will they terminate low ratings Joe Scarborough based on the quote unsolved mystery that took place in Florida years ago investigate <laughs> that's I don't I, I want to be- 280 be- characters
1: thing is just oh, really it's, not helping yeah. us.
0: Um, I mean it, it I mean I, I guess there's nothing I suppose this shouldn't be all that surprising but this is I mean this is the stuff that was the mainstream of like conservative talk radio in in the 90s right this was like Rush Limbaugh and it's turned into you know Alex Jones and whatnot but that was that had like it was powerful but it was kind of off to the side right it wasn't yeah. um it 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 was useful to the Republican party but it wasn't the Republican party and and it's weird to see that sort of um uh that that kind of mindset that um conspiracy theory yes. mindset take like center stage and take hostage of of like a party that has long prided itself on being the party of like reason and rationality and yes
2: no mm. i think that's a great point you when you think about the way in which conspiracy theories were always on the margins and now suddenly with this president they are at the center of power and and for me, this scares me like nothing else. The idea that the president, who is the authority, is is the one that's spreading them. I mean, it's it, this is crazy that he's tweeting out saying that uh, you know uh, a media presence or persona personality who is critical of him. We should investigate him for something that clearly he's you know there was no there was no crime there. This is we're in really dangerous territory.
1: Yeah, it's bizarre.
2: Yeah. Um. <sighs>
1: Do we wanna talk about any of the sexual harassment stuff?
2: We or is should, that we can. in Speed Round? Uh no, we don't have it in Speed Round, okay. but we can. you, know, you wanna talk more about Matt Lauer? I, I, I mean You were upset by Matt.
1: I was very upset. Yeah. Matt. I
2: really wasn't upset. <laughs> I,
1: I mean, what upsets me is that like we talked about uh with Suzanne, um was that last week? Yeah. Uh like I, I just I don't see an end game with this. It's and I like I was telling you earlier, I I, I think we're seeing probably the very obvious, um, culprits of, of, of this, this kind of behavior. But what, I, again, like where, where is the dividing line? Where, when is that going to be created? When, you know, is there due process for these people or are their lives just ruined based on, you know, potentially unsubstantiated allegations? And I, again, I think these people are probably almost certainly guilty of the allegations that people are bringing forward. But w- when does that when is that not the case? If that isn't the case, what is the protocol then? And it's just it's infiltrated every yeah. single facet of our lives now. It's,
2: it's insane. It's stunning the number of claims that have come forward. I, I mean I'm shocked and you know, as we were talking beforehand, I'm guessing that M- uh, the NBC wouldn't fire Matt Lauer unless they had, had real a lot great. of. It. I mean, that Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer was the the family guy. He Twenty was, years, yeah, untouchable in terms of his conduct, and now he's, this is all being revealed. Garrison Keeler, I mean, all of this. It's just i it is it is a it's a good thing that's a good thing like there's a reckoning society is now having this conversation mm. that they should have had years ago, and again, for three white guys sitting around a table talking about this, it's surprising for us the extent to which this is occurring, but as Suzanne said last week, she said, You know who's not surprised women <laughs> <You know? laughs> um yeah it uh
0: I don't this, know. If, go ahead, Phil. This, I mean, this seems like what we were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, how much pushback is there against uh, Trump or whatever. And I, I, this almost seems like you have to – I don't know. It seems to me that this has to be seen in the context of Trump, right? Like mm. the election of Trump with all of the, you know, the the Access Hollywood tapes and all of the – you know, I, there's there's something uh, – I don't know. I think some of this is the pushback of women saying we have a voice and, 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 and that's, you know, that's where – maybe you're encouraged by the idea that there might be pushback and that society might, you know, this is an example of where that that is occurring in in positive ways.
2: And it's a tidal wave. I mean, it's not a tidal wave that's looking to appreciate nuance and say, what's the distinction between Al Franken's sexual assault and Roy Moore? And, you know, it's everybody's getting knocked over. And Donald Trump, because of that, should be very, I mean, Bill Clinton as well, should be afraid that this is eventually going to come back around to him. And again, it's not surprising that He's suggesting that the Access Hollywood video may not be him, because he's got to get out of the way. He's got to make sure that all these women who've come out against him don't get their voice heard. Mm. Um, it's 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 a it's a movement. I mean, but then you have you know like the the
1: Project Veritas story. Like it's that's nuts, right? So you you have documented proof of an organization trying to fake some of these accusations, which is deplorable to the umpteenth degree and you just go i like not only are you cheapening the severity of a lot of these actual cases but then you're you're calling into question a a lot of these these allegations which go
0: ahead phil but the insane thing about it is that they're not trying to call into question Roy Moore, right? They're trying to call into right. question the people who are accusing Roy yes, Moore, right. which is the the insane. Like they are, they're doing this. They they hired an actor to lie to the Washington Post in order to discredit the accusers of a pedophile yes. who's running for Senate. It's right.
2: insane. So the, the for those who haven't heard this story, that was on Monday. The Post released a story about a woman who had approached the paper and falsely claimed that Roy Moore had had a sexual relationship with her and got her pregnant and had an abortion. And she was lying. She was just trying to lure the Post into this uh, so that they could then expose what they say is the media bias of the Washington Post. Now, for me, this is a good story because the Post figures it out. They do their job, and they realize that there's nothing there, and they call her on it, and now there's videos out there showing that. But yeah, to your deeper point... What happens when they don't figure it out? Right, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And it just... there's no more, people don't have faith in the media anymore. And organizations like this are trying to fuel that. It's it's terrifying. Yeah, it's, I, meh. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, <laughs> all of it.
0: Um, I assume that Project Veritas has issued a statement um, praising the Washington Post for their thorough vetting of the <laughs> of the story yes, right that's yes. obviously they, i haven't seen that yet but i'm assuming they're tweeting that <laughs> oh, i'm sure, that out I'm sure it's coming they've
1: just been busy and sick it's yeah they
0: did
2: release two videos so so the washington post was taping or recording this but they project veritas was as well and project veritas releases two videos of the interaction i think between this woman and the washington post reporters as evidence of their bias but when you really look at it the the reporters are doing their job they're asking tough questions they're not revealing a bias they're just trying to get down to the story so so i do think this is it's a good story for print journalism and those that are doing good work and and i think you think about what the post is doing in the new york times and uh, they've distinguished themselves from some of the the cable news in terms of their but nobody's going to care like that's the thing we're, we're,
1: we're in our camps at this point. And I guarantee there are enough members of the conservative base that will still go, you know, they were trying to make a concerted effort to um, expose um, biased journalism. And, you know, this has been completely blown out of proportion. And, you know, they're the ones that we should be trusting. It's like, I, I don't know that, you know, this is – this is not going to have any effect on the thought process, I would say, of either either extreme portion of um, of uh, the political spectrum.
2: That, that's a fair I'm point. I'm struggling for words, especially in, this, in so. the short term. But in the long term, I think we'll look back and see that there were voices that were trying to be trying to find truth, and that for me, that feels good. That history will judge this nick.
0: Well, and and it's not even just that. I think you, I think it's easy to get overly discouraged. Um, but I think you have to take the positive signs where they show up and so even though the Washington Post and New York Times may not be perfect, they they are you know they're they're good journalistic sources compared to some of the others, and their uh, subscribership and readership has gone way up, right? So I mean I I think you're totally right, Nick. It's not going to sway anybody on the far extremes, but you know even if a few more people out there are are thinking more carefully about their news sources, that's that that's positive, right? Absolutely, yeah,
2: <laughs> right. And and you got to think about the long term development of this because I think both of you suggested this. At some point, humanity is going to come around and come back to a more reasonable place. It's got to, Phil.
0: After, I after so the apocalypse, that. after we kill, all, <laughs> kill each other?
2: I was, uh, I was watching the Vietnam documentary with Ken Burns, mm. and you go back and you look at that, and that was also an awful time, and the protest and the anger and the animosity and the mistrust across society. We came back from that. We'll come back from this. Now, that doesn't mean six months from now we'll be better. It's it's going to take years, but eventually, I, as long as we yeah. don't blow each other up with a nuclear bomb. Well, you That's know. speed round. It's
1: either here <laughs> nor there.
2: Yeah, but well, I, I mean, I
1: I would like to agree with that, and I've watched that documentary as well. He just didn't have the kind of echo chamber mentality that we have. It's so easy to just get within that mindset and create your own reality yeah. and distort reality around you, just like the president is doing right now. Just like anybody on either side of the political aisle is doing. It's. I I don't know if we're going to get back to that middle point that we sort of, you know, got to after Vietnam was over. I... Mm, that's a good point and now and i'm sad
0: nick but, and not not to be too depressing <laughs> yeah. but i think some of the problems we're having now can be traced back to the fact that we never fully recovered from vietnam right sure. all of this mistrust of government and the, you know a, a lot of the, the the division the political division the culture wars all of that can kind of be traced back as well in which case you know yeah. the idea that we're going to bounce back and be okay is maybe not as convincing that's cute F- thanks, Nixon. <laughs> should,
2: I know we're going to talk more about the media. Should we uh, Should we talk beers? Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, Phil, wh- what, are you, what are you enjoying today? I'm having uh, a, a Gatorade Glacier Freeze. <laughs> it's very good.
2: It's my favorite
0: flavor. That yeah. is a,
2: a really interesting blue.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know that that occurs naturally. I'm not sure what what went into that Gatorade. But <laughs> I think I'm, only... sure it's, I'm sure it's good for me. It's
2: all natural blue five. <laughs> the only time I've seen that color is in windshield wiper fluid. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nick, so you and I are enjoying a uh, beer from a new brewery called Third Space Brewing out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And uh, unlike our conversation, the name of the beer is Happy Place. So, Nick, <laughs> what did you think about our Happy Place beer? It, it, was, it was okay. Yeah. It's very, it's very hoppy.
1: Which um, yeah, yeah, like a a very uh, very noticeable hoppiness. Um, There's not really a lot of sweetness to it. It's kind of bitter. Um, Yeah, and and it leaves kind of that. Again, it's very hoppy, so it leaves a very noticeable aftertaste. Yeah. Not my favorite, to be perfectly honest.
2: It describes itself as a yeah, citrus, uh, bright hop aromas meet notes of citrus and tropical fruit. That's but false. You're, you're right, it's not as sweet as the other ones are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's. It, I would just say it's an okay pale ale. Now it describes itself as a Midwest pale ale, in contrast to these New Englander and their pale ales. So mm. yeah, yeah, Why New England's more. Snooty. And I guess they're just different. They're more pungent and more intense. And these, you know, just like the Midwest in general, we're a little muted. We're calm. It's <laughs> a friendlier yeah. That's house. right. Uh, and that's the only beer we've had. So we've only had one beer today. Oh, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. All right. Should we move to speed round? Yeah. All right. So speed round. We are going to return to the media and talk about. You know, we've talked about the press a little bit, but Trump really was waging a war on the press this week. Uh, He, uh, in a series of tweets over the weekend, Trump criticized CNN International uh, for representing, quote, our nation to the world very poorly. Uh, He also attacked MSNBC, NBC, in a bunch of tweets, but found time to praise Fox News. And in particular, uh, he noted in one tweet, quote, Fox News is much more important in the United States than CNN, but outside the U.S., CNN International is still a major source of fake news, and they represent our nation to the world very poorly. The outside world does not see the truth from them. How concerned should we be about this? I—I I, I, I will just one more thing before I let you guys talk. Uh, General Michael Hayden, who was in charge of the NSA, National Security Agency, and the CIA, was was very upset about this, and he tweeted out, "If this is who we are or who we are becoming, I have wasted forty years of my life." Until now, it was not possible for me to conceive of an American president capable of such outrageous and outrageous assault on truth, a free press, or the First Amendment. And this is no liberal Democrat. Yeah, no, that's a thing. Uh, Same thing, John McLaughlin came out and was critical of it. So, Phil, how how worried should we be that we're not even noticing this, this dramatic attack on the press that the president is engaging in?
0: Uh we should be worried. Um <laughs> I mean I Good. so <laughs> <laughs> correct. I I think of this in terms of uh, I we I think we tend to think of the comparisons between Trump and other and previous presidents and we can recognize that he's different but um it, it's really when you when you look at him in sort of the spectrum of uh, sort of democracy versus authoritarianism versus these kind of semi-democratic societies um, that from like this global comparative perspective is when I am concerned. Right. So uh, the all of these, whether it's the attacks on the press, whether it's you know calling for the imprisonment of his political opponents, like these are things that seem out of the norm from in American politics. But it's easy to kind of dismiss them as, oh, he's he's kind of crazy. When you look at them in this grand scheme, Um, Globally, it's that behavior isn't just sort of unusual. It starts to line up with these patterns that you see in other countries where democracy has broken down. And that's, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, Robert Mugabe dictatorship type stuff. I'm talking about like you look and see what's happening in Poland or in Turkey and other countries where uh, the sort of democratic fabric is kind of unraveling. And that that's where. You know, the, it's him doing it, but it's it's us letting him do it that it becomes really, um, yeah, worrisome.
1: Nick, I'm less worried about it in that situation. While I do think that him as the president uh, behaving like this is reprehensible mm-hmm. in in a lot of ways, I I, <clears throat> I I think there is something to be said about the uniqueness of. American culture and political discourse and uh, constitutional rights and, and all of that that lends itself to uh, the population being much more vocal in their opposition to something like that. And I, while I do think that there are signs that you know, it kind of leads into that authoritarian um, kind of dictator mentality... I don't think that we are necessarily a good litmus test for for that kind of behavior. I'm not saying that it's not impossible. I'm saying it's extraordinarily improbable. I I think that there's far more likelihood of him being forcibly removed from office than – him having influence to the point where our democracy breaks down. I think that's a, more than a fair point. And the
2: threat <laughs> no <know>, thank you. <laughs> the threat isn't, for me, the threat isn't the United States, because you're right that the, the norms and the institutions are strong enough. Where this troubles me is it's a gift to Vladimir Putin. It's a gift to these other authoritarians it's who— to be getting tired of gifts, though. I, I know. Mean, Putin, Putin is doing so many other ones well. well. To those other administrations <laughs> who want to criticize the press— as a way of reinforcing their own authoritarianism. So even if it doesn't necessarily undermine our democracy, although I think it does to some degree, it really is a gift to, I think this over the weekend, uh, Libya was attacking a story about, I think, slavery within their country, and they were using fake news. They were saying this is not true. So when the American president can so directly attack the media it means carte blanche, all these other dictators are free to do so. And that that's problematic. But, uh, I mean, they were they were
1: like that already. Like, but, I mean, yes. it's just, they're just being more vocal about it. And
2: I, yeah, yeah. I, I get your point. It gives credibility to that claim. Sure. That if the American president can say the media is corrupt, then, well, I guess not Mugabe anymore, because, you know, he's, I guess he's resting somewhere quietly. <laughs> but, sleeping. But, but certainly Putin. Uh, and the other weird thing about this is that the day Trump attacked CNN International... Putin also labeled uh, all foreign press as, like, d- foreign agents. So, I mean, they were – I don't think they were in cahoots, but it happened on the same day. Uh, it's – yeah, not not a good development. Eight no, seconds, I, Phil? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, I can't say anything in eight seconds. I'll, I'll just wait.
2: I, yeah. I, I mean, I,
1: I think there's something to be said that, again, they're being more vocal and there's at least a perception that it's giving them more credibility – I think if anyone thinks that they had credibility to begin with, it's it's probably a misnomer. Mm. So, they're they're pieces of shit. They want to shoot their mouths off. That's dictators? that's fine. That's that's who they are. Yeah, dictators are CNN. I'm uh, sure. uh, yeah, we'll go
2: both ways on that one. <laughs> anyway. All right, next topic. Michael Flynn is back in the news. Uh, in a move that could signal an impending shift in the special counsel, uh, investigation being conducted by Robert Mueller, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn's legal team has formally cut ties with lawyers around President Donald Trump and his family. Now, for me, the best best little element of this was a former White House special counsel for ethics, Norm Eisner, uh, got much attention when he tweeted out, quote, I negotiated a cooperation deal for a target with Mueller's office when he was the U.S. attorney. And let me tell you, he's not going to give one to Flynn unless he implicates someone up the ladder. That means Kushner, Don Jr., or Big Daddy. <laughs> so so the fact that uh, that Flynn is no longer or his lawyers are no longer dealing with Donald Trump implies that he's probably take he's either taken or he's negotiating a deal. This 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 should concern the Trump administration,
0: right? For sure. Yeah. It- this is where we get back to, you know, the the Manafort stuff kind of happened um and i we talked about how that may have been sort of an setting an example but Flynn is the one who you know was in in the white House, played a role with all of this i well certainly would know more um- in, you know sort of intricate details about ties between russia or what what was going on and so um it would make sense that that you would that uh, Mueller would be trying to cut a deal with him it, maybe this is the thing that has Trump panicked and acting crazy this week but um uh yeah i mean this is i i think Again, I still stand by my statement that a whole bunch of people are going to jail by the time this is done.
2: And it would suggest that at least Mueller thinks there's something at the really, really high levels. Because Flynn is a guy you can... I mean, it's clear that he was acting as a foreign agent when he wasn't reporting. I mean, Flynn's crimes are potentially... That's a longer list than even Manafort in terms for of sure. what he could get yep. himself in trouble for. So you would think that Mueller would want to set an example with Michael Flynn. And so if he's willing to give a deal to both Flynn and then it sounds like Flynn's son. I think Flynn's right. son is getting himself in more trouble than maybe, well, not more than Michael, but on an equal level. Uh, this is this has to be just terrifying for Kushner and Don Jr. I don't I don't know if Trump is really... Aware of the threat that he faces, but but those two, I think Kushner's got to be in, got to be well, one that, of the main targets.
0: That's got to be what what Mueller is after, right? I mean, it seems to me that the evidence that that Don Jr. and Kushner, I mean, the, there have been a number of stories. It's pretty obvious that they had connections to Russia yeah. and to WikiLeaks, and were you know, regardless of of sort of the motive or how deep it was, they were there were improper ties, right? Um, the thing we haven't seen is whether, or we haven't seen hard evidence that that goes all the way to, um, president Trump. Right. Um, and so if you're Mueller, I mean, that's gotta be what, what you're after. Right. And so if you can get Flynn to get you that information or to give you enough information to get Kushner to flip or whatever, then that, that's how you get there. So yeah, I mean, it's, this is just, again, these sort of concentric circles and we keep getting closer and closer to the center. Um, and, and yeah,
1: he's gotta have a fair amount of evidence at this point. So my question is, especially with, all of the the weird behavior that we've seen and the foreign policy moves that Trump has specifically made and uh, just kind of his, his general behavior, does this speed up the investigation at some point? Or does he is he just kind of letting this plot along and, and seeing what kind of shakes loose when people are this scared? It
2: does seem quick to get to such a high-level individual, and um, especially if you're getting a deal. I, I wonder how much more work there can be done. Somebody this week suggests or stated that, that Mueller isn't interviewing White House, White House officials anymore, that it feels like he's gotten that done. So it's it's possible that he's getting closer to being done. But mm-hmm. my guess is that the, all this talk about being done by the, the case being wrapped up by the end of the year is not going to happen. This mm-hmm. this is going to play out over six months, a year, something like that. I mean, I don't have any knowledge, but it feels, it does. but I get your sense, Nick, I mean, it feels this is quick. I, I, go ahead, Phil.
0: I, I, I'm under the impression that Mueller is like a consummate professional. Like, I don't think he's going to hurry anything, no. right? If it takes him years to get this done, he'll do it. Mm. But I also have the impression that the, the Trump organization is not good at this, right? <laughs> or they're not good at, like, covering their tracks. So it might be an easier path to find connections than than was originally expected, Yeah, um, which could explain the speed of it as well.
1: Yeah, and my question comes more from the standpoint of do you – Which I I do think he is a a consummate professional, like you said. But at what point do you sacrifice the um, uh, comprehensiveness of the investigation to negate possible future damage to the executive branch of our government? Oh, I, I mean,
2: where, where is that tipping point? And, I, and it wouldn't necessarily have to be an attack on the executive branch, but his own credibility. So if right. we go back to the Clinton investigation, at some point, Ken Starr was so slow in his process that people started attacking Ken Starr, saying he mm-hmm. was, just get on with it, it's enough already. Now, Mueller hasn't reached that point, I don't think. But he has to be careful, because if he does belabor this too long, he does... Face the potential threat of people saying, "Like, all right, enough is enough." Even if there is a crime there, we're we're tired of this, and I think that's what happened. Now, looking back on Clinton, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's, yeah. a it's a very different perspective in this political climate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> for Bill Clinton, for Clarence Thomas, I mean, think about both those guys. If this had, if that had happened in this climate, you know, neither right. of them they would have been outs. sunk, right? Both yeah, of them, absolutely, yeah. and justifiably so. Mm-hmm. All right. In addition to Michael Flynn, North Korea. They've been busy. <laughs> they launched another missile, Nick. <laughs> yeah,
0: whatever.
2: Another ICBM. Uh, and uh, on two, actually yesterday, uh, they flew both higher and longer than previous launches. Uh, some have suggested this is a bold act of defiance against President Trump after he put the country back on the list of state sponsors of terrorism. <laughs> the president reacted cautiously, as Nick noted early in the podcast, stating, uh, it's a situation that we will handle. Uh, Defense Secretary of James Jim Mattis expressed much greater concern, emphasizing what he said were the technical advances uh, and also noting uh, it went higher, frankly, than any previous shot they've taken. So is this new news? Uh, is this uh, a major development or how do we assess this most recent test by North Korea? Because we, we've had this conversation before. Well, so
1: the story is that it has the this particular type of ICBM has the potential of hitting pretty much anywhere in the continental continental <laughs> United yes. States which I find suspect at best
2: you just don't trust North Korean technology no I
1: don't and the well, the reason I don't trust it is because it flew for I think it was 58 minutes something like that and they shot it pretty much Nick. I'm sorry 53 whatever <laughs> I'm giving them too much credit apparently and they shot it again at an almost completely vertical tra- trajectory, which, what, go get a fucking S C S model rocket. I'll go put something up in, you know, low Earth orbit for that long.
2: With one of those little little parachutes Yeah, with a little parachute. And, you know, the- yeah,
1: like, <laughs> I, you know, I, not to be glib about it, but I mean, it's so much more complicated to take into, a, into account all of the different factors to hit somewhere on another continent while you're shooting a missile at it. I just... And there's, there's no evidence that they took into account the uh, weight and shape and effect of uh, what a nuclear warhead would have on, on the missile. Uh, there's, I, I think they said it was a, a, an extremely light payload at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and it, it seems very, very similar to the last missile that they tested. And then they put more gas in it. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> they just put more <laughs> gas in it. I, I love Nick's
2: skepticism <laughs> of North Korean engineering. <laughs> Phil, are you more worried about this?
0: Um, I mean, so I I am not a skeptical about like so I, it's not just North Korea that's claiming this could reach the you know Washington D.C. Right. It's it's um, other people who know more about it than me. So yes. I, I I tend to believe them, but I, I do understand your skepticism. Um, I so I in that sense, yeah. I mean, I guess it's worrisome, but it doesn't seem all that far off from previous, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of classic um, uh, the classic nuclear strategy is still in place, right? I mean, this is still whether they were going to nuke L.A. or D.C., it's still you still got to be pretty crazy and be willing to risk, uh, you know, massive annihilation in order to do that. So I don't see that the slight increase in the technology actually changes the situation all that much. Um, I mean, if you live in D.C., you should be a little more worried than you were before. But uh, I don't know that it increases the odds of of nuclear war necessarily. So
1: my skepticism, and I completely understand your point, Phil, my skepticism is also uh, the statement that they made uh, after the test was that this now puts them in the ranks of being an actual nuclear power. Yeah. Which the underlying subtext of that is we don't necessarily need to test things like we've been testing them anymore, which then implies that they're willing to negotiate some yes. to bring themselves more into the international community. Mm-hmm. So I, I see that as a more likely scenario than them. You know, having the capabilities of doing what they say that they can do—that was a big
2: development. That they said they've mastered this technology, and I think you're right to say that this means they might be more interested in in negotiations, in diplomacy, not for giving up that nuclear capacity. Right. Then I think that's the one sticking point. The United States is still is still arguing, or their position is still that North Korea needs to get give up these missiles. That's not going to happen. That's just a reality. But. North Korea may be willing to talk about other things. Mm -hmm. So then in some ways the onus now flips to the United States. If North Korea is willing to talk, but not talk about giving up its nuclear weapons, do you sit down with them? And if you do sit down with them, what do you talk about? Reducing overall tensions? I would think that would be a good thing. It's just going mm-hmm. to call Kim Jong-un fat. Right, exactly. to his face. Well, I think you have to eliminate either Donald Trump or Rex Tillerson, who now I'm now convinced is useless, right? <laughs> I had hope for him, but he's absolutely useless. I don't know who you send, but I'd rather have Dennis Rodman than Tillerson at this point. But, <laughs> um, but I, I do think this opens the possibility of conversation either with the international community or just with the United States. But I'm not sure whether the United States is interested in that conversation, mm. so – um, so I'm not as as worried about it. It I feels like another test. I don't think it changes the strategic threat in any significant way. No, I, I think this is
1: this is more prodding and, and probing and, and seeing what is the best solution to this problem. Because I guarantee that there are plenty of people in that regime that are scared shitless of what the potential outcomes of this yeah. current standoff is. Just as much as people are scared here. Sure. So,
0: have, have you seen? I, I saw a couple of stories a while back that were speculating that the advances in the in the North Korean missiles were actually that they were basically buying weapons technology from Ukraine. Yes. Have you seen yeah. that story? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah,
2: and Ukraine's in a bit of trouble for that. Yeah. Yeah. They got their own problems. So
0: that, I don't know if that it makes you more faithful. In, if you're more faithful in like Russian-Ukrainian technology <laughs> right. than in North Korean technology. Thumbs now. up. Yes, <laughs> there you go.
2: Russians weren't too bad at that stuff. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you boys a, a choice in our fourth speed round topic. Do you want to talk about the tax bill? Or do you want to talk about whether the Democrats have bungled the sexual harassment mo- movement? Ooh, that's a tough one. Because yeah. you got that Nancy Pelosi thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Taxes are important, and we put it off for like three weeks. All right, we haven't talked taxes Yeah, We should probably talk taxes. All right, let's talk taxes. So <laughs> apparently the Senate is still debating this tax bill, and they're hoping to vote this week. Uh, and I guess the, the question is whether it will pass or not, very similar to health care. Uh, John McCain is once again uh, playing the role of maverick. It's unclear whether he will support this or not support this. Unlike the president's behavior on Twitter, his, or I wouldn't say his, but the, the current Senate bill is very conventionally Republican. It is not a populist bill. It is one that benefits uh, corporations and it benefits uh, very affluent Americans. And it's not clear that it benefits middle class America. So I don't know. Are, are you, Phil, are you optimistic that this is going to pass? Or do you think there's going to be enough Republicans that say they're not, not going to play ball?
0: Um... I don't I don't know. I don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I have read enough to make a prediction. Um, but I think the thing that is going against it is that it, it is a kind of classically Republican bill, but it seems to go further than classic Republican bill. So it seems like in the past, the Republican Party would cut taxes. Right. And and the, the tax cuts might be greater at the high end than, you know, for the middle class and the low end. But but in order to get big tax cuts for the wealthy, they would cut everyone's taxes. Yeah. This seems like it, it's almost inverted right the taxes actually go up on people under over the next ten years on if you're making under seventy five thousand dollars a year and the tax cut for the wealthy is so extreme and it's got all of these other provisions like taxing um, uh you know scholarship whatever like grad school uh, yeah. uh, money um, and so there's like all of these aspects of it where it, it seems like they've they've almost I don't know why. I don't know if it's to get the Republican votes, but it, it feels like they've almost gone too far. And I, and I could see public backlash against that, whereas a more moderate tax reform bill, I think, might have had a chance. But I, I'm not saying it doesn't have a chance. I think it still might pass. But I, I think they've sort of stacked the deck against themselves in some ways by making it so, so far right or so, so, so non-populist, I guess.
1: So the corporate tax cuts are supposed to be permanent, and the middle tax, uh, middle class tax cuts are supposed to expire, expire in what, like
2: five years, it, ten years? I can't remember the the duration, but yes, it's uh, it's not. Long. Regardless, it's a duration yeah.
1: more than infinity. Right, yeah.
2: right, right. Whereas the or exactly the corporate infinity. ones yeah. stick around forever. Uh, it, it it strikes me you're hearing Democrats behind the scenes saying. They're not sure whether they want this to fail or pass, Mm. because if it passes, they've got an issue just to hang over the necks of Republicans for the midterm elections, which is shitty. Right. But but that's just how it's played. Right. Uh, And and even some Republicans worrying about this as well, Mm. if they, you know, especially in tight districts, if they have to worry about passing something, which is I think to your point, Phil, is very different from the George W. Bush tax cuts, which cut taxes for everybody. Right. But you're seeing information on this long term. There are very few economists who are saying this is going to grow the economy. Mm -hmm. It's not going to trickle down. They... I think they surveyed, it was a 30-some economist asking whether they thought that corporations would reinvest the money in the economy, and all but one said they didn't think they were going to do that. Yeah. And then they asked the one guy, and he's like, oh, I misread the question. You know <laughs> so, so you're not getting the kind of support you need for a bill like this. Right. Uh, and it just seems like they're missing, we've talked about this before, Republicans are missing their opportunity on infrastructure. They're missing their opportunity on a simple tax bill that everybody could get on board with. Uh, but yeah, this is the only piece of me- uh, major
1: legislation that they have left in the barrel at this point. This is yeah. kind of a make or break
2: it thing for them. But it's not a populist bill. No, it's not. But they have a thing that needs to oh, yeah. get pushed through. You have to have at least one piece of major legislation go through. You can't, you know, right. it's, it's, because they're gonna they're just gonna be assholes about it and just say
1: that it needs to get pushed through because then, they have nothing else.
2: And then midterms look really, really bad. And maybe that's why Trump is so worried about this. If this doesn't pass, and I think, Phil, a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about the numbers for the House. If the numbers in the House flip, Trump's – he's panicked about Mueller. He's panicked about a potential Democratic control oh, of the boy, House. Oh, boy.
0: Isn't there some damage already? I mean, so if the Democrats want to, like – if there are Democrats who actually want to see this passed because they, it helps them win, that's that's awful. Yeah, right. Um, but I, to some extent, like whether they pass it or not, it's it it allows the Democrats to run on it, right? This is the yes. bill that was put forward. I mean, at this point, it's got the Republican stamp on it. Um, it's like health care, right? Whether they've just trying to do it allows the Democrats to run against them and say they tried to take away your health care and they tried to cut taxes for corporations and raise taxes on you. And I mean, it 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 seems. That's where I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the strategy of what the Republicans are doing. I like a more moderate, um, even, you know, so if you're going to cut however many billions of dollars on the wealthiest Americans slap in there, something where, you know, you have some lower, some stimulus where the you right. know average American gets a five hundred dollar check at the end of it, right? Something that I, I don't even I don't understand how they think that it you know it doesn't even seem like they're trying to 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 disguise it.
1: Considering how hard they used Obamacare as an opposition point for the Democrats, you figure they would have learned something, and it, like I it it just it baffles me that it's it's just
2: like nobody seems to learn anything right I, no it, 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 sometimes it's not hard and this, this should be an easy one healthcare was hard republicans are not they're not made so, for that kind of policy no, but they should not. be for cutting taxes
0: I think just to to the one explanation, I guess, that's kind of clicked into my head as we're about to change topics, though, is that um, there have been a number of Republicans who have outright said essentially that if we don't pass this, our donors won't give us money anymore. So so the explanation of, you know, that that's where the Republican Party has gotten itself kind of painted into a corner in some in some way is that uh, the the people who fund them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. are, Are demanding this.
2: I'll make one prediction. I think John McCain votes against this.
1: I could see that. And
2: he might be the deciding vote. And last time for health care, remember, he walked on the, on the floor and did this grand gesture of turning his thumb down. Yep. This time, I predict, he points to, like, Trump and gives him the finger. And then maybe he says, like, that's two, buddy. <laughs> Big Daddy. <laughs> Big Daddy. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. Our final topic here. So this is a question for you guys. Yeah, and it, the question is, what's more believable? Trump's tweet turning down Time's, quote, <laughs> man of the year award, or an ex-Russian minister who says he thought a bag with $2 million in cash was a gift of alcohol. <laughs> so I'll give you a bit more detail on this. So mm. this this last week, Trump tweeted out, and nobody kind of expected this tweet, uh, referencing this Time Magazine of the Year award. And he says, quote, Time Magazine called to say I was probably going to be named man, man person of the year, like last year. But I would have to agree to an interview and a major photo shoot. I said, probably is no good and took a pass. Thanks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, a few days ago, this was a big story. And I sent this to you guys in text. And I think, Nikki were like, oh, what's... I, 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 I said... Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So is that more believable, that Trump really was called by time? Or that a former Russian economy uh, economic minister was accused of extorting a bribe, uh, and then he told the court on Monday that he thought a bag holding $2 million in cash was actually a small gift of alcohol. What are you talking about? And some sausages. Oh, sausage. <laughs> yes, well, that makes yes, yes. it more believable. <laughs> he says that Putin tried to set him up, and it was a scam, because the next day he was arrested and fired by Putin. So what's more believable, that a Russian took a bribe, or that the President of the United States lied? <laughs> I love this one.
0: Phil? Oh, <laughs> uh, it is more believable that Russia, that Putin tried to set someone up than that Time magazine called and offered Man of the Year to Trump, and Trump turned them down. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the <laughs> I,
2: will, I will say, I will say Time, Time tweeted something out saying, like, this isn't how
0: the process right. works. <laughs> it's, it's, right. They said we, no. We don't, we don't do this.
2: <laughs> Probably. <laughs> They're yes. both
0: they're both obviously lying, but the uh, like the the lie that Putin set me up is is more likely than the lie. That, <laughs> <Right>. that, <laughs> I just like the, the insanity of the, the stuff that he claims is not like it's not. It's like so extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a small little white lie or like a twist of the truth. It's like where, where why does he think he can say this? Well, then it gets immediately
2: refuted. Yeah, too. right. <laughs> but, but a bag of two million dollars. That's a pretty big bag, right? No. No, nobody's ever given me $2 million, but it's got to be bigger than... People have given me alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, but that's not a big bag. I assume it just came in one of those big money sacks with the dollar sign on it. With <laughs> some sausages on the top.
1: <laughs> was
0: it dollars or was it rubles? <laughs> rubles.
1: Rubles. Oh, uh, Nick, what do you think? It, I mean, is there any other question? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I mean, I think it's infinitely more likely that... Uh, um, what was the question? <laughs> What's more believable, oh, Trump yeah. tweeting
2: or the Russian lying about his sausages and money? Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it just, like, it's... All of these... Like, we've seen, what, uh, handfuls of these stories where he says something and then the organization that he tweets or talks about immediately refutes it. Like, And, and it's not even... You can't even say, "Well, you know, it's fake news," and it's that news organization. Just his statement itself sounds asinine, yeah. and there's no way you're gonna get someone from Time Magazine calling, "Go, hey, by the, hey, Mr. Trump, how's it going? Hey, um, you're probably gonna." And <laughs> he be puts probably in all caps, but you know, I mean, we're gonna have to do an interview. So, like, well, you okay with it? Yeah. yeah, it's just, just it sounds so. It sounds like something a, a teenager would come up with in their in their head. Yeah, just this grandiose vision of what it's supposed to be like, and it's it just between the two of them to
2: drink go ahead
0: phil (laughs) well there's two unbelievable parts to it right there's the fact that that time would call and and make this offer which is not believable but the other part is if time called and made that offer trump would take it in a (laughs) Of course right (laughs) that's a great point you want to do a photo shoot of me and i might get man of the year i'm in can you get here in five (laughs) minutes like that is. i was the the only
1: one who was it twice in a row (laughs) right like that's the i mean that would be the thought well
2: and, and again this is trump who created a fake Cover of himself on time uh, that he posted in his golf courses. Between the two, I think they're both obviously lying. But I feel more, I feel bad for the Russian guy because this is how business is done, right? You take bribes, he did something for Putin, and then Putin probably decided, well, I'm done with this guy. And sends him the cash, which he assumes this is how it always works. Put some
1: sausages,
2: up, yeah. We? Well, yeah. And then yeah, they're yeah. like, "Oh no, it's the money. This is how it works. I usually get a bribe." And then the next day, the cops show up, and he goes, "What? You're mad about the bribe? That's just how it <laughs> works, you know. This <laughs> is, you know, a bribe and some nice sausages." Though so. it just sounds like an awful place. Yes, it's um, so bad.
0: Well, not to mention that he didn't get the sausages. That that makes you feel bad for him That's too. Real. That's sad. true. They probably took the sausages back. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, they they probably weren't In his bag of two million dollars There probably weren't sausages as well His story was he thought there were going to be sausages No, no,
2: Phil, he thought there was alcohol I think there were sausages No, it was money
0: and sausages Uh, No, I I
2: could be wrong on that detail But I I think there was sausage And money, but no alcohol Two
0: million dollars is not enough to corrupt you Bill Mock, but two million dollars and some sausage And you're you're done (laughs) Sold A little bit of that, a
2: little bit of cheese. I'm done. Uh, the other, okay. One quick thing on Putin this week. There was a there was a story. I'm sure it was in the New York Times or something. There was a story by Russians basically saying you Americans have lost your mind about Putin. He's not this smart. He's not this capable. You're exaggerating his global influence, uh, and stop it. Uh, I,
1: that's the thing. Like I don't think it took that much effort.
2: Uh, that's probably right.
1: I, yeah. I mean, I I think he exploited a weakness in us and we just kind of ran wild with it
2: at some point we need to have a conversation about the way in which what russia did in our election is going to become the new norm not just from russia but from everybody the way in which digital media social media suddenly are going to be very involved in, in democratic processes it's a fascinating conversation phil you're going to say something
0: no, I was just going to uh, agree with what you were saying. I, I think we give Putin too much credit in terms of global politics. I think everything that he's doing comes back to his own power and his own like money um, and, and his own finances in Russia. And so the extent that he's concerned about global politics is the extent to which it – solidifies his control back in in russia so I, I think we give him too much credit to view him through this cold war kind of world domination sort of view yeah. uh, viewpoint mm-hmm.
2: for, for the record bill uh, phil just said that that donald trump is right
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't think i said that yeah. we that's, heard it that's that's what trump Goed says
2: <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no not really <laughs>
0: I didn't say that. I didn't say that Putin didn't meddle in our elections, yes. which is what Trump has said. <laughs> yes, I'm saying that's true. But that you have to understand all of that—the meddling and all of that—from his own self-interest.
2: These are nuances I'm no longer able to distinguish, Phil. This uh, is a truth doesn't matter. I know. Yeah. So,
1: I, I mean, we have a couple minutes. I, my, my question, and again, it's been such a weird week and month, yeah. and we'll just go with a year. But especially the past week, like, what is this? Doing to us as, from a political discourse perspective, from you know a a cultural perspective, and you know just from a uh, a a national stability. Like, what what are we becoming with all of this shit going on? It's it's not good, Nick. No, it's not good. It's not
2: good. I I would circle back to the earlier point that Phil made about conspiracy theories and the the fact that we've become or drifting towards a country that is defined by conspiratorial thinking, both on the left and on the right. I think that's the thing. It's, you know, on the left, we're convinced that Trump is connected with Russia, you know, in the same way that the right is convinced of some conspiracy theory. So I, it's a very troubling development. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Phil.
0: My, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm in, my fever's kicked in at this point. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <or do it. laughs>
2: It's not right. a good. We sh- we should <laughs> note that this is episode 50. This is 50. We've made it to wow. 50. We were
1: supposed to do special things and we just never got there. Cuz yeah. it's all crazy. Yeah. it's too we'll busy see, about. We'll do content. special
2: things for 100? Yeah. yeah. See, for 100.
0: Who, so here's here's the uh, who uh, we should make predictions about who's who is the celebrity/politician slash politician that gets taken down this week for sexual if 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 Garrison Keillor and Matt Lauer went down today, who's next? Rachel Ray. <laughs>
2: All right. uh, John Conyers. Conyers? Conyers. Conyers. Yeah. I think he's going down. He's already been removed from his position, but there is more and more leaking out. There was a story today that he's basically handed over day-to-day committee work to his staff members. He's not really doing anything more. But what really troubled me is the story says, in at least two separate occasions, once at the United Automobile Workers event in Michigan, he showed up wearing
0: pajamas. Like something's not right. Like (laughs) he what? If you obviously have not lived in small town Texas, people go everywhere in pajamas.
2: (laughs) No, for me that's if you you never want to be out in public in pajamas because if something goes wrong, you can never you know handle it in pajamas.
0: You would not handle the Denison Walmart very well.
1: (laughs) well. I mean, this is this is the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially over the past week. Is it is our responsibility to hold these representatives accountable for what they're doing. And we just don't give a flying fuck about it. When was the last time that you talked to your congressional representative? Like, It's the fact that they think that their jobs are dependent on pushing through pieces of legislation because they just need to justify their jobs, and we really have no idea the complexities of those pieces of legislation, on top of the fact that they don't know the complexities of that, is the core problem of of who we are as a people. It, it is all of our responsibilities to look them in the eye, or call them, or contact them, or something to make sure this shit, whether you're talking about pieces of legislation or rhetoric or sexual harassment doesn't happen going forward so stop being lazy pieces of shit and go talk to someone
2: (laughs) no i'm very upset about we're drifting towards a democratic crisis yeah Uh, our democracy is not as strong as it was 20 years ago and and to that point I, i i was frustrated with the democrats this week that they didn't they weren't more forceful going after al franken and john conyer's these are things that you need to do if you're going to take the moral high ground, and they didn't. They had mm-hmm. an opportunity, and they soft pedaled it. They Nancy Pelosi gave that an interview, and I was frustrated because you you can't continue to do that and argue that you care deeply about the democracy. Correct. Yeah.
1: Anything else from you, Phil? No, I'm ready to go to bed. need some Sudafed. <laughs> okay. Um, well, we didn't do it at the beginning, but if you like what you've heard, or if you would like to call us twat waffles again. um um, check us out on facebook at barstool politics twitter at barstool paul p-o-l uh send us comments uh beer suggestions questions uh to barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com uh like us and share us through itunes or on soundcloud um you can find us on there uh if you want to know the beers that we try on a regular basis or if you want to throw us beer suggestions uh, hit us up on the Untapped app that you can download on iOS or Android, um, and I think that's it. For, yeah, for everything. Was, yeah,
2: buy us that fancy, expensive beer that. Nick yeah, made that Facebook really. Yeah, delicious. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, well, <laughs>
1: until next
0: week. Though. Yeah. Thanks for showing up, yeah, Phil. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Yeah, cheers. cheers.